Welcome back to the second part of the message from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15, entitled, The Parable of the Souls. The seeds of the gospel sometimes find hearts that aren't quite ready to germinate. But when the good seed falls on good soil, it produces a harvest that no one saw coming. So sow those seeds. Here's Pastor Tim. And he knows it so much that the bulk of this parable is dedicated toward your heart. What he refers to is the soils. Look, if you will, let's go back to verse number 11 for a moment. He says, now the parable is this. This is how you know what those different elements really mean. The seed is the Word of God. And then in verse number 12, he begins talking about the soils and different kinds of soils. See, the soils simply represent a person's heart. Is that person's heart receptive to the seed of the gospel or not? So here you go in your notes. Number three, we've talked about the sower. We've talked about the seeds. We need to talk about the soils, don't we? The soils decide on the matter of salvation. You see, we say that, that God's Word requires an answer. It does. So that, that soul is the one, that heart that you have, that's going to decide what your answer is going to be. And there's only two. There's only two. Yes or no. Later is not an answer. Hope so is not an answer. Think so is not an answer. One day is not an answer. All of those fall into the category of no. So what you discover in the rest of this parable is this. There are basically two kinds of hearts, two kinds of responses to the seed of the sower. Listen to that. The response is to the seed of the sower, not to the sower of the seed. It's not that the person is rejecting you. It's that they're rejecting Christ. They reject the message of that gospel. They're not receiving you, they're receiving Him. That's really the two categories, isn't it? So number one, some will reject Him. Some will reject this message of salvation. Maybe they don't feel like they're ready for it. Maybe they don't feel like they need it. But for whatever reason, their heart is not ready to say yes to Jesus this day. As Jesus goes through these soils, he talks about four different kinds. Three of them are three different types of rejections. For example, there's some who reject him based on theft. Based on theft. Look at what, look at what he says in verse number 12. He mentioned, well, way back, that, way back up in verse number 5 when he first started, he said that when the sower sowed that seed, he said some of it fell by the wayside. Now, this is what he means by that. Verse number 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. They hear. They hear the gospel. They hear what you have to say. Look at this. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You've got an enemy. You've got an enemy that whispers in your ear, don't, don't talk to them. 
don't, don't, don't listen, don't bother. They're at work. They're, they're at school. They're busy. They're probably already a Christian. The devil will give you every reason under the sun not to share the gospel with somebody. Why is he doing that? Because he's also at work on the other side. He ain't just messing with you. He's messing with that person you're trying to lead to Christ. And he's whispering in their heart, you don't need this. Tim must think he's better than you are. You don't need to be saved. Listen, you're a good person. Look, one of these days, God will sort all this out. You don't have to do that. Listen, you're in the prime of your life. You don't need to make a decision today. You can make a decision tomorrow. Devil will whisper all kind of lies to that person. All along, what's he doing? He is stealing. 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 The word that could transform their life. Some by theft. Some reject him. Not by theft, but by temptation. You said back up in verse number 6 that some fell on these rocks. And he said that these thorns came up, you know, and began to choke them out. Look at what he says in verse 13. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Okay, so we've, we've gone up a step from the last verse, right? I mean, they've heard, they hear the gospel, and they like it, you know. Man, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? I sure do. I want to go to heaven when I die. And they receive it with joy. Look at what happens. They hear and receive the word with joy. But these have no root who believe for a while. And in the time of temptation fall away. You see, maybe the devil was already whispering to him, you don't need this. You don't need to go to heaven when you... Don't even worry about that. That's probably not even a heaven or hell. Don't don't even worry about any of that stuff. But that person hears the gospel, and they say, I sure do. I want to go to heaven when I die. And they'll pray a prayer right along with you. The devil begins to throw up all those temptations. And pretty soon, they choose their temptations... Over Jesus. They'd rather have what the world offers. They'd rather have what the devil is bargaining with than to have Christ and have eternal life. They've rejected Him, even though some of them still play the game in a church today. Talking about those who still play a game in the church today, you're going to find a lot of them with this third kind of soil. Back up in our passage in verse number 7, he said some of these fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it out. Well, some reject him because of theft. Some reject him because of temptation. Some reject him because of the thorns. The thorns he identifies for us in verse number 14. He says the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard, They go out and are choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. In other words, they hear the gospel. 
they say, yes, I want the gospel. They pray the prayer. By the way, not one person has ever been saved by saying the sinner's prayer. Sometimes we think of it as a magic formula, some kind of incantation. If I would just say the words, then God is obligated to answer. It's not about the plan of salvation, is it? It's about the man of salvation. What are you doing with Jesus? And they take that message and they tuck Jesus in their pocket like a lucky rabbit's foot. By the way, if that rabbit's foot was really lucky, the rabbit would still have it, wouldn't he? Anyway, they, they, they stick Jesus in their pocket, hoping one day, one day they're going to pull him out and they're going to play the big card. Doesn't work that way, does it? Jesus says that they bear no fruit to maturity. What does that mean? It means they're not saved in the first place. We're not talking about somebody who's saved and backslides. We're talking about somebody who has never been saved from the very beginning. But yet they fooled themselves and they fooled a lot of other people. And they find themselves in our churches sometimes week after week after week after week. And the preacher shares the message of the gospel and they say, oh, I've already done that. I wish he'd move on and start talking about something else. I, I, don't, I don't want to hear the gospel again. But I never really did anything with it in the first place. Let me move on. Number two out of this. Some reject him, but some receive him. They do. Man, I'm so glad Jesus didn't stop the parable right there. He kept on. He's, he, he's got one more verse. He set up in verse number eight that there are other seed that, that fell on good ground. And it sprang up and it yielded a crop that was a hundredfold. Look at how he describes it down in verse number 15. He says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience or with endurance. This is the person who has received Christ. It's more than saying a prayer. It's more than walking an aisle. It's more than getting your name added to a role. It's more than being baptized. It's more than giving to the offering. They've received Christ. Jesus said, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to them who have believed on his name. That's how you know, isn't it? I have received him. And the evidence is the fruit that is being born out of my life. What does he mean by that? The New Testament speaks about four different kinds of fruit. It speaks about the fruit of repentance. Hopefully you've already been there. It's the fruit of repentance. I've, I, I've genuinely repented of my sins. What's the fruit of that then? Then I leave that sin alone. If I repented of it, then I leave it behind. I move on. We're to have the fruit of repentance. The Bible also speaks of the fruit of good works. We know that the Bible says, by grace you've been saved through faith. Not, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man or woman or boy or girl should boast. And then he says this, for we are his workmanship. In other words, he's working on you, he's working in you, he's working through you. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. 
for good works that we should walk in them. So yes, there is, after I'm saved, a number of good works that ought to follow. That's a part of the fruit. You should be bearing that. The Bible speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. A ninefold cluster like grapes. It's not like nine apples. Nine apples, you go to the grocery store and you pick them and choose them out of the box, don't you? And maybe you go to the, maybe you go up to LJ and you pick them off the tree itself. But you look at them and you grab one, I grab another, and I grab another. Through the spirits like grapes, they come together. All nine, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and yep, self-control. It's all a part of what the Spirit's doing in you. You should be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. But there's one more. There's one more that's more typical to fruit. You know those apples that are on the apple tree? (laughs) The seed's inside of them, isn't it? It's the seed that's inside that apple tree that leads to more and more apples being germinated later, right? It's kind reproducing after its own kind. In the Christian life then, the fruit is one Christian bringing another Christian to bear. It's you sharing the gospel And it's God doing His work of salvation, transforming them that they too might be saved. You know, when it comes to that apple, you can cut that apple open and you can slice it all up real good and you can can count how many seeds are in there, can't you? But the old saying's true. You can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. You never know when you dip your hand down into that gospel bag and you begin to spread the seed of the gospel, you never know where it's going to end up. You don't know exactly how it's going to come to be. On April the 21st in 1855, there was a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. He was 30 years old and he taught a Sunday school class of young men There was a 19-year-old boy that had been coming to his Sunday school class, and Edward Kimball that Saturday morning decided to go visit him at work. He worked in a shoe store. He wasn't out front with the rest of the customers. Instead, he was in the back doing inventory. Edward Kimball just walked back there and shared the gospel with him. And that day, D.L. Moody gave his heart to Jesus. God used D.L. Moody to be one of the greatest evangelists that America has ever seen. He used him effectively both on this side of the Atlantic and on the other. Revival began to sweep the world. And a lot of it had to do with D.L. Moody. Among the thousands and thousands of people who were saved by D.L. Moody's preaching, one of those was a man named F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer is probably not one that you've heard of as much as you've heard of D.L. Moody. But he was saved and became an evangelist in his own right, followed in the footsteps of his mentor and began to, to just share the gospel everywhere that he went. Through his preaching, a man named J. Wilbur Chapman got saved. J. Wilbur Chapman became a pastor and a preacher preaching revivals. 
while he was preaching, a man named Billy Sunday became saved. Billy Sunday's one of my very favorite evangelists. Billy Sunday was a baseball player. Baseball player and evangelist. Man, you can't have two things better together than those two. Billy Sunday was one of the fieriest preachers that you'd ever met. He was hot-hearted for the things of God. And he began to do tent revivals all across America. One of the men that came to one of those tent revivals and heard Billy Sunday preaching was a man named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham heard the gospel and was saved in that tent that day and began himself to start preaching tent revivals. One day, he was preaching a series of meetings in Charlotte, North Carolina, when a 16-year-old boy walked the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus. And that was Billy Graham. There may be some people in here who've been saved because of the preaching of Billy Graham. I have a preacher friend who was listening to Billy Graham on TV and he got saved. It does happen, you know. There's not been one man that God has used more to preach to more people around the globe ever than Billy Graham. And it all started because a Sunday school teacher shared the gospel with one of the boys in his class. You don't know. You don't know on Saturday who you're going to encounter. You don't know when you go out on visitation who you're going to encounter. You don't know when you go to work or when you go to school or when you go to the restaurant who you might encounter. You share the gospel. and You let God work in them. You let God work with them. You let God work through them. And there is no telling what God might do. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment. I dare say that there may be somebody in here today who you yourself needs Jesus. Needs to be saved and know it. I want you to know that you know that you belong to Him. And you can. Maybe today you come and you say, Tim, I need to give my heart to Jesus. That's all you got to say. I'll help you. Maybe you need to plant your life in our church. Maybe there's something that you're struggling with. You say, my heart at one time was so receptive and now it seems so hard towards the things of God. God's big enough to take care of that. Would you be big enough to admit that today? Maybe you know somebody that right now, right where you sit, you pray for them and you say, God, I want to be a sower. A sower of the good seed of the gospel. And I want to sow it in the heart of whatever your friend's name is. Would you put them before the Lord? Would you ask Him to give you the right opportunity to thoughtfully and intentionally share the gospel with that person? And then see what God might do. 
Father, every heart is laid bare and open to You. I pray that Your Spirit would do Your Spirit's work, what only You can do, to draw us to Yourself in these moments. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You stand. They're going to sing. I'm going to stand and wait for you right here. If you need to come, please come on. Sharing the message of Jesus is not easy and sometimes not received. The beautiful thing is we can still love and continue to share the love of Christ through our actions and investing in people's lives with Christ's love. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.